welcome back to another edition of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 105. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we watch Mookie Betts and Dolly Parton make good decisions. And special guest Chris Biddle, Canadian Member of Parliament, talks with us about service and the Toronto Blue Jays. Even before that, we're going to start with a drink like we always do. And in my hand, I'm holding a delicious beer called Jolene Red Ale from a good American local brewery called Grand Stand Brewing Company in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Jolene Red Ale. That, that Even the name, when I, when I walked into that brewery, it's just a very striking bottle. It has a young lady. It's very red. Hold on, I'm going to have a drink. And for you non-country music fans out there, and I consider myself as a non-country music fan. I don't really listen to country music. But everyone knows Dolly Parton. And the beer was inspired by this by Dolly Parton's song from 1973, Jolene. And Dolly Parton had said that the 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 song was partially inspired by a red-headed bank bank clerk back in the 70s when people actually used to go to the banks. <laughs> so this red-headed clerk lady was flirting with her husband, Carl Dean, and re- Dolly Parton had just they, they she was newly married to Carl Dean and she had said that in in later interviews Dolly Parton said that Jolene's name and appearance are actually based off of a young fan who met her but the story is of this flirty coquettish coquette red red-headed bank clerk she said quote I wrote that song years ago and my husband was spending a little more time with Jolene than I thought he should be I put a stop to that I got rid of that redheaded woman in a hurry. Had it not been for that woman, I would never have written Jolene and I wouldn't have made all that money. So thank you, Jolene, end quote. Obviously, as I said, the redheaded bank clerk was not named Jolene. It's a cute little fan that she had. It's a great story. It, it's it's a great representation of making the best of a bad situation. I'm going to have another drink, hold on, in honor of Dolly Parton. You know, Dolly Parton. She's from a small, small, small place called Sevier County, Tennessee. And you know who else is from the great state of Tennessee? Mookie Betts, the right fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we're always, we always thank our lucky stars and say, man, I'm so glad I made that decision to do this. Sometimes we say, man, I'm so glad I made the decision not to do that. In the case of Mookie Betts, he made a good decision not to do that when the Boston Red Sox offered Betts a $300 million contract back in 2020. You know, we're baseball fans. We know that Mookie Betts played, what, for six seasons for the Boston Red Sox? But Mookie Betts, he won um, He won the most valuable player with the Boston Red Sox. He won the 2018 World Series with the Boston Red Sox. But ultimately, the Red Sox didn't give him the money that he thought he deserved. And we went over this, what, like two or three episodes ago about how what bunch of cheapskates the Boston Red Sox have become. They're like a big market team. They are one of the top four or five fan bases in the country. And now they're acting like the Tampa Bay Rays, who I love the Rays, but let's be honest. Tampa Bay and Boston, they operate in completely different financial stratospheres, okay? Anyway, so Boots said, Boots, Jolene is getting to me so early. Bet said, you know what? Thank you for $300 million, but I'm going to take another decision. I'm going I'm going to make the best of this situation. Ultimately, as we know, Bookie Betts signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $365 million over 12 years. 
And so it's kind of like a sliding. What is, what was that Carl? Uh, Carl? What's that woman's name? The one that's she has a son or daughter named Apple. Uh, she started in Shakespeare in Love. Thank you. Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow, the HBP bullpen, just passed me in her name. My God, I was just totally, like, forgot. Anyways, Gwyneth Paltrow starred in some film that was, like, sliding doors, sliding glass, and she took place in England. And it was like, what if I had taken this decision? What if I had taken that decision? Mookie Betts obviously decided. He did his Gwyneth Paltrow impression and said, no, I'm not getting on that subway train or tube train. I'm going out west and what did he leave behind we know the red sox last year in 2022 they only had 78 wins last place in the american league east division in 2021 the team he left behind won 92 games and they went all the way to the american league championship series and in 2020 when he actually left them that was the covid shortened season when we had what 60 games the playoffs were expanded because it because of the shortened season and the red sox still couldn't get in so you're talking about of the last three seasons, the Red Sox have had two losing seasons and only one playoff appearance. But Moogie Betts has won the World Series, All-Star every year, Gold Gloves, etc. Whatever you want, he's got it, baby. And frankly, the Red Sox aren't going to be any better. They're going to potentially be a little bit better in 2023. But do you really expect the Boston Red Sox in 2023 to be better than the Baltimore, the, the, the baby birds, the Baltimore Orioles? or the Rays and their insane player development, or the Toronto Blue Jays, and of course, the New York Yankees. I don't think so. If you're a Boston Red Sox fan out there, I mean, you got to be hardcore, and you will find a bunch of cheap tickets to go, well, relatively cheap for Fenway Park, but th that's going to be a last place team again. And you know what? The Red Sox signed, who would they sign? Relief pitcher Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, and third baseman Justin Turner. If this was 2018, this would be huge news, but it's not. It's 2023, and those guys are past their prime. I mean, they're still good players. Don't get me wrong. Are they going to push you past the Blue Jays, past the Yankees, past the Rays? They're not. So cheers. I'm going to have another drink for Mookie Betts making good choices, for Dolly Parton deciding, you know what? I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to get I'm not even going to get even. I'm going to make money off of you for trying to disrespect me and flirt with my husband. <laughs> Dolly Parton. And speaking of of Mookie Betts' new beau, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's spring training, everyone. This weekend, all the games start. The Dodgers start playing, I think, against the Cubs in Maryvale, Arizona. So it's very exciting. Spring training games are actually happening. And I love spring training. It's very like low key, but it's still baseball. You go to a nice place. You go to Arizona. You go to Florida. It's a great time to to spend February, March, especially if you live up in the north. I just had to have another drink. And you know, every single week, I'm always talking about the World Baseball Classic. And one of the players on the on the Dodgers, left-handed pitcher Julio Urias. He's Mexican, and he's going to play for Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic in about two weeks. I think the, the, the World Baseball Classic starts two, two and a half weeks. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. Well, in the in the upcoming offseason. His agent, drumroll please, Scott Boris, the bane of every Major League Baseball owner's existence. We'll see if he comes back with the Dodgers. I doubt it, because you know Scott Boris. He never... I don't want to say allows because these are grown men, but he 
never gives advice to his players to re-sign with the team because he wants to get them the most money. And conversely, he wants more money for himself. We'll see what Julio Rias chooses. What kind of decisions he make? Is he going to make a good decision like Mookie Betts and Dolly Parton? I don't know. We'll see basically in about eight, 10 months, I think. We're, we'll know. And by the way, if you're a Dodgers fan, you already know this. Their legendary Mexican pitcher, Fernando Valenzuela, is finally going to have his jersey, number 34, retired. That's awesome. I mean, a guy in his career, he won Rookie of the Year, Cy Young Award, and a World Series championship with the LA Dodgers. He played with them for 11 years. It's about dang time that Fernando Valenzuela had his jersey retired. So the Dodgers, they're not as loaded this year as as they usually are. But, I mean, the future is bright because... The Dodgers have one of the best farm systems in baseball still, which is insane. You have, you have, you're talking about a team that over the past 10 years is a perennial World Series contender. Those type of teams have bad farm systems because you're drafting and you're, you're picking in the back of the draft. All the good players are already chosen by the time your number comes up, for lack of a better word. But the Dodgers have, speaking of the Rays player development, the Dodgers as well is just absolutely disgusting. So even if right now we don't see the big names on the LA Dodgers, they're going to make those kids big names. So we'll see what happens. But you can also see what I'm drinking in Jolene. Even though obviously the the beer can is not whoever, the, whoever that bank clerk was, I'm going to post what I'm drinking like I always do on our Twitter account, HBP4040. And our Instagram account, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Follow us if you want. If you don't, no big deal. But you know what is a big deal? Our hearing. And this is where this week's show sponsor comes in. The Whisper 2000. Listen. Listen carefully. Thanks to an amazing electronic breakthrough, you can hear a pin drop across the room. What is it? It's the Whisper 2000. It gives you the astonishing experience of super hearing. No more embarrassing complaints when you watch TV. Simply adjust the volume for your personal listening. And with Whisper 2000, you don't have to turn up the volume or even ask someone to repeat themselves. What was that? I said you don't have to ask someone to repeat themselves. Huh? Use Whisper 2000 in theaters and meetings. You'll hear every word clearly, comfortably, no matter where you're sitting. Disguised as a pocket-type radio, this latest breakthrough in sound amplification allows you to clearly hear anything you choose. Similar high-tech devices sell for $60 and more on the internet. But it's yours on this special HBP podcast offer for just $19.95. Order the Whisper 2000 now. Discover for yourself the thrilling experience of super hearing. Cheers to be able to hear everything. It, it, I kind of get the feeling from the Whisper 2000, it, it can also be used for like espionage. Maybe we should send it to the good people in the Ukraine to spy on those imperialist Russians. But anyways, I just had a drink. This is not a political podcast, but this is a fun podcast. And we're going to have fun with our next political guest. This week's guest is Chris Biddle, Canadian member of parliament from St. Catharines in Ontario. Chris Biddle, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. I'm happy you are. You are our first 
politician to be on our, well, not first politician, first Canadian, which is more important than being a politician. (laughs) And I want to let people know that Chris Biddle, not only are you a member of uh, First St. Catharines, a member of parliament, you are a family man, you're a lawyer, you've worked in nonprofit, and now obviously you're on the national stage of politics. How did this all, how did all that transition start with you with going like, I want to be in law and then working to to do in service and then you're sir and you're you're still doing service but on a much bigger level. Well someone told me once it's like getting bit by a bug and I think it's the same with law and politics that um you come into it and for me anyways it was something that I loved. Uh, maybe I just watched too many episodes of Law and Order um through the 90s but like what um what an incredible thing to um to be part of and uh, law school is not an easy thing to get into and um, did, did my best work hard, got into it, got very, very lucky, very fortunate, um, landed a um, job back in uh, my hometown or in my home region, which is the Niagara region in, uh, in Canada. Everyone knows Niagara Falls and started my career, but also at the same time wanting to use those skills to give back to the community, which uh, got me involved in um, not-for-profits here. But I always had that political bug that um, I knew I wanted to get involved. And I thought it would be something that would be later in life as I was moving a little bit closer to retirement. But the opportunity presented myself. And if you told 20-year-old me that I'd be elected to parliament by 36, I would have laughed. But but it happened. And it was a great opportunity. And I'm still loving it after seven years. What did you like most when you were doing, when you were working in nonprofit? What was your passion in 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 that point of your career? Well, the I, I got to be part of an organization, it was a community health center in um, in Niagara, and it was really providing primary health care to people who, even though we have a universal system in Canada, provi- there are still people who fall through the cracks and providing that. And the most incredible thing is I started with that organization when there were two employees, the executive director and her assistant, and to watch it grow from that over the years to... Uh, be serving thousands of residents uh, of Niagara and truly helping um, people and having a significant impact and making people healthy. Um, and most of it was, I don't want to take uh, too much credit, most of it was staying out of the way of our amazing staff and executive director, but to be part of that, even a small part, is incredible. And um, I would tell people it was my favorite job and the one they didn't pay me for was to be chair of Quest Community Health Center in uh, in St. Catharines. Unfortunately, had to give that up when I got elected, but um, it was an uh, incredible experience and, and leads into what I do now and to have that experience of ensuring that everyone gets taken care of and that we do have people who fall through the cracks in society and will there be people uh, who stand up for them? And it's hopefully lessons that I've taken from Quest and that organization and bring it with me when I go up to Ottawa and to Parliament. That's really interesting because as an American, I do know that Canada has a national national health service, but you have universal health care. It never would have occurred to me that anyone would, would fall through any cracks. It's, I, I always assumed it was just if you're born, then you're automatically you know registered with the government and you forever have benefits with uh, your health benefits. Well, you can you can always show up at the hospital. You can only you, if you don't have a family doctor, if you don't have um Particular access, you can always show up at the emergency room, but that's never the best medicine. It's always the worst case scenario. You're in an emergency, you're there, 
And the key is if we provide more people, and it would help in the United States too, if you provide more people with family doctors and access to primary care, the less likely they'll show up in an emergency room. And like we were given examples of our clients who were spending hundred, well, maybe the, the worst one was, well, worse for him or her was uh, he or she spent like 150 nights in the hospital the year before. And if you look at it, like uh, from an economic standpoint, even to say the government is spending millions of dollars on this person's care, they should be the healthiest person in the community, but yet they're the sickest. And how do we spend a fraction of that to make them healthier? And with our services, like we were able to take that person, you'll never get them down to zero, but we're able to take them from like 150 nights back down to like 20 or 30. And yeah, there's an economic argument, but it's doing what's right for people and making a community healthier one person at a time. There's definitely an element of service in your career post 20 year old Chris Biddle. And th- th- since you've been elected as, as to to par- the Canadian Parliament, you've helped usher through worked on bills and programs with public transportation, with the environment and obviously health. But probably the one that how I came across of you is you spoke about baseball when back in 2016 on in in the House of Parliament on Tim Raines. Excuse the baseball terminology, but where did that curveball come from to use your time to talk about a baseball player uh, from the Montreal Expos? We um, there's a question. It, most, most people usually see it in British Parliament as question period when the opposition party has a chance to question the government. And we have the same thing in Canada. But the 15 minutes before question period, um, there are 15 one minute slots that are called member statements. You can talk about whatever you want. And I hadn't had a member statement in a while. And I thought, hey, like this is this is a good opportunity. I'm um, there's an injustice and I hate that. And I love baseball. And uh, even though Tim Raines is not Canadian, I think at that point, the only reason that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame was that his best days were played in um, in Montreal. If he had played his whole career for the Dodgers or the Giants or, or the Cardinals, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, years before and so the timing was also accidental as well because I I, we just had set the date Canadian Thanksgiving is uh, a month and a half before uh, American Thanksgiving so I just set the date not thinking about it it was either I think it was the Wednesday for American Thanksgiving so there was no sports news anywhere and so I'm starting to pop up on like MLB.com and Sports Illustrated and USA Today and it just like blew up like just thought it would be a cute little speech to post on social media um and then it became a big thing because of i think a little bit because of the timing um and being pushed by certain people who were fans of tim Raines as well so it it kind of um became big i I did the same thing for um larry walker a couple years later and it didn't come anywhere uh anywhere close that him being a canadian um but he also did make it in in his um in his final year of eligibility but yeah, it was uh, was just a little opportunity and took a little swing and uh, it actually it blew up and it was a lot of fun to deal with the media. Never thought I'd have uh, radio interviews in uh, in New York City, but uh, um, that sounds like it was, fun. It was it was it was a fun ride for a week or so afterwards. But you're from originally from the Toronto area, so obviously St. Catharines Ni- is in, from the city of Niagara Falls, which is right. So, next you, so you're much further south, Montreal being further up north. So I'm I'm, Jays fan. I'm assuming, and I I know that you're a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. Like so, yeah. you you 
pulled your support for Tim Raines because he played, he was a great player for a Canadian team or Absolutely. you actually watched him play and, and, and I, liked and was inspired I, by him. I probably would have watched him later in his career because I think he was in Chicago by the time I really started to become more of a baseball fan. So I wouldn't have seen him at his prime, but I'm, I'm a lover of history and, and baseball history is part of that. And here's this, probably the second best leadoff hitter in the 1980s. Um, I think we, there's no question who number one is, but um, it was kind of surprising given the statistics. And especially if you look at it from more of the advanced metrics than the usual um, uh, baseball card numbers on the back of the baseball card that, Hey, this guy, this guy deserves it. And he's a better, if you look at the numbers, you look at on base percentage, better player than maybe even, and I know these are sacred cows, but like Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett. Um, but um, that's what uh, advanced metrics gives us an opportunity to have these types of discussions that he should be right there with them. And so even in my office, and I was going to do this from my other office, but uh, the weather was getting bad. So I want to get home. There's a picture of Jackie Robinson in front of Ebbets Field. And so I love the history of, well, I love history, but the history of the game and history of baseball is part of that. And even like the, again, this is the, 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 the biggest injustice of baseball was the, the, the color barrier and to have that in my office and kind of to remind me of my two loves, which is justice and baseball and those two things coming together. So it's a little bit, a little bit, well, excuse me, a lot below what uh, Jackie Robinson uh, uh, dealt with, but it was still a minor injustice in the game and uh, something that uh, if I had a minute, happy to chat about it. So no, I, I agree. That opportunity. And picking up by that point, you said about the color barrier, Canada and Jackie Robinson, you know this, but maybe a lot of our listeners might not know is that Jackie Robinson was a minor league player for the, I forget the, the team in Montreal. Montreal Royals. I Royals, that's was. correct. Yeah, one of the minor league teams for the then Brooklyn Dodgers. So there's definitely that Canadian angle for Jackie Robinson and the color Absolutely. barrier. Absolutely. And I think it was an opportunity to put him in an environment um, a little bit easier. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but a little bit easier than it would be if he had uh, started playing straight in uh, Major League Baseball, even though he was probably ready for it uh, at that time. Yeah, definitely. So where did your where did your love for the Toronto Blue Jays and baseball as a as a whole start? Like what what are your memories of like your first game or your something that just like flashes in your mind? And if you say the 1982 World Series, I'm gonna get hurt because I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. But no, I'm joking. This is about you. <laughs> well, I do remember, and I would have been very young going to Exhibition Stadium, which would have been the horrible, uh, they called it uh, I think with Cleveland uh, also got the nickname the mistake by the lake, um, which was a terrible, terrible stadium. So I remember going, but That's I really before didn't... the Sky Dome. Before the Skydome, yes. Yeah, Sky I went to the Skydome when I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Skydome came in in 89, kind of midway through the season. And kind of at the same time, that's really when my fandom became. I, my, my biggest memory is watching the 89 postseason team and watching those playoff games and then really getting into it um, the next season. But the season, after that season, they didn't make the playoffs. But by in 1990, no one made the playoffs wild card and that was the big trade that was uh Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar for Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez and even I remember as a young fan being shocked how can you trade Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff but um yeah if um you're an Atlanta Braves fan you remember uh remember Roberto Alomar and uh, Joe Carter doing some damage in 92 and if you're a Phillies fan or if you have Phillies fans listening, they remember uh, the damage that Joe Carter did, even though he didn't have a very good World Series. 
he did have one very good at bat. So uh, maybe more than that, but uh, that's the, the the memorable one in game six of 93. And so being lucky as a fan getting into it and having a winning team, the president, former president of the Blue Jays, Paul Beeston, always said that his best uh, marketing department was the players on the field. And so if you have a good team, you have a winning team, you're going to get more, uh, more fans into it. And I was a product of that and watched it, then watched a lot of bad baseball between 1993. I was going to ask about that. (laughs) And really like, and then watching it through the two thousands, when I think there was a season where Roy Halladay was the Cy Young winner. And I think Carlos Delgado finished second in MVP voting and probably should have finished first. And like, how do you miss the playoffs when you have the best hitter and the best pitcher? Um, and so it was rough years as Boston finally figured out how to become good again. And uh, the Yankees steamrolled um, over everyone. So it was, if it was, it was a rough fandom until uh, 2015 was like, it was a wide margin between playoff appearances and, 93 and 2015 and not that the result was good for me the 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 funny thing about 2015 I'd been waiting so long and I'm like okay I'm a lawyer I could go to a playoff baseball game but it was in the middle of the 2015 election so I was going door to door and there were if you celebrate if you cheer for the Canadian team you always get the worst time slot so it was uh, I remember going door to door there was a afternoon game and I'd be going door to door, kind of looking in at the TVs to see uh, see what the score was. And even though uh, the, the party I represent, the Liberal Party of Canada, we are uh, our our party colors are red. I was wearing blue jay a blue jay um, t-shirt door to door in in blue, uh, which is our uh, rival party colors. And I knocked on someone's door, and he looked at me and he said you shouldn't be here. And I thought he was going to yell at me for bugging him. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, you should be at home watching the game. And I'm like, Oh, I know. And, um, yeah, I watched, uh, Batista's big home run that, uh, that year against the Rangers. I watched it in the campaign office. We just got back from, uh, an evening of knocking on doors and watched, uh, that was like a one hour inning. It was crazy inning, but watched that uh that inning on the little tv in the campaign office we got to experience that but it's but again it's fun to see and it was i got to see it from a different way that every tv in the city as i'm going door to door is tuned to um tuned to the baseball game and so that was that was always a fun thing even though i couldn't be part of it in the moment I, i got to see the community enjoying it from a slightly different standpoint you hinted at this, and I've always wondered this. I always, I think that baseball organizations, like like any political party or big multinational corporation, it always starts at the top. And as an American looking at, at looking at the Toronto Blue Jays, as you said, like those years in the wilderness of 12, 14 years without the playoffs, and you're thinking, how is this possible? Because who, I don't know who the owners were at the time. I know now they're still owned by the media conglomerate, but they, it was almost as if they were running the Blue Jays like a small market team. Yep. When the greater Toronto area, you know this better than I do. I think it composes about 9 million people live in the greater Toronto area, which is, you're talking about in New York, you're talking about in Los Angeles, and Canada as a whole has over 20 million um, inhabitants. Like how in the world, w- why wouldn't, how do you feel about it? Like Toronto, the, the Blue Jays not fi- flexing their financial muscle and all that, you know, getting these horrible afternoon time slots in the playoffs and just, not acting like a big league team, uh, not big league, excuse me, big market. Yeah, it was it was frustrating for a very long time because the 
original purchaser of the Blue Jays or the original main um, owner was a beer company, uh, Labatt's, um, which um, makes Labatt Blue, which may not be too popular. Uh, it's popular in Western New York. It's more popular I've in Western New York. You've had it? Okay. So Labatt Blue, Blue Jays, um, the, they also owned a CFL football team in Winnipeg called the Blue Bombers. And so part of that marketing, Labatt would put the money in. Labatt understood it. It was a Canadian company. But Labatt was sold to a European, a Belgian uh, conglomerate that didn't care about baseball. And kind of, it was a money, made, it still made money for them, but they stripped it down. I remember bringing in, the Jays were one of the first teams to really embrace Moneyball side of things and really uh, strip things down and find the um, find the spare parts that no one else wanted. They picked up J.P. Ricciardi, who was the uh, general manager, who I think was the, I don't know if he's head of scouting or assistant um, GM to Billy Bean in Oakland. Um, and uh, ran it like it was a mini Oakland and fans were screaming that, yeah, we're, we're a country of 40 million. We're a province of 14 million. You're right. Tor- the greater Toronto area is 8 million people looking at, I don't know what the numbers were for television then, but now Jay's games are more watched than Yankees games. And, and it was mind blowing until when Rogers bought them, which is a large telecom company in, um, in Canada, um, they bought they bought the stadium for and the team for a song. I, I want to say they they bought the team and the stadium, which is in a prime piece of real estate. The stadium is not great. I'm looking forward to seeing what the renovations are. They're putting about 250 million dollars into the into the stadium, um, but it's right downtown. Um, take the subway right there. Take the train right there. Get off the highway. It's a great location. And so to buy the stadium and team, I think for a hundred million or two hundred million dollars, which is now both of those things are probably in the billions. And they also have, by the way, a sports um, uh, sports network, which they can air all their shows. And so right. now they finally realize this is the first time they're over the cap. And it's like, yeah, we are. We should be. This is a this is a big team that's followed by a lot of people. And if if your listeners don't believe it, um, check out a J. Seattle game or Jays Twins game or Detroit Cleveland and watch the Jays fans just stream in from across the border and it's like a home game when they're going to other cities and I've only seen that with Yankees fans um, when when the Jays were really bad uh, the Yankees fans could get tickets and it was like a Yankees home game in Rogers Center which was awful but uh, if we're a big market team got to act like it and it's it's good to finally see that yeah and it not only are they acting like a big market team? They're also drafting and developing players well, as we saw. They they've been to the playoffs in two of the past three seasons, and I know, I know, last year they went to the playoffs, but I even the last two years, I think I, as just a baseball fan, and being excited about the tremendous young talent that the that Blue Jays teams has has right now, uh, they've underperformed. But what are you excited about for this upcoming season? Are you are you do you have any do you have any games circled that like I, if I'm able to, I'd love to go to this series or watch this game <laughs> for 2023. Uh, I don't know if I have a serious circle. I should probably look at the schedule. I just want to see the the new dimensions. I want to see the new park and see how it it plays out. Um, they've a lot has changed. They've kept the most of the core. Um, they they got rid of uh, Hernandez, which is sad to see because um, I just let's do an interview with the um, their former manager. John Gibbons, who said he had the best power of anyone he's ever seen. Yeah, he's amazing. And so when he's healthy, 
he can hit 40 home runs with his eyes closed. Vladimir Guerrero um, had an off season. So we, we've gone from um, MVP. He would have won the MVP if not for Shohei Otani doing being the magic unicorn of baseball that he is to the next year where you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to shrug your shoulders when you have a guy who's hitting um, 35 home runs and you're like, well, it's OK. Uh, Bobochet had a like an incredible September, but the rest of the year was rough. And so, hopefully, to be able to see those guys come back to what I think they're capable of is is something I'm excited for. Um, Dalton Varsho, I'm excited to see. I didn't see a lot of him because he was playing for Arizona, um, and so they say this guy can play. And um, even though he was plays as a catcher, but is a top defensive outfielder that would probably be playing center field in almost every team except ours because they signed Kevin Kiermeyer to, uh, to play, um, to play center field. And so uh, while I've watched and I've seen a lot of Kevin Kiermeyer because the Jays have, uh, we like to call Tropicana the house of horrors because it's just been, every team has their one team that they just can't beat regardless of the composition of how it is. And even when the, it seemed when the Rays were bad, the Jays would find a way to lose to them. And like it, you can go a year or two or three without winning a series in Tropicana field. And it was just a nightmare. So saw a lot of Kevin Kiermeyer and what he can do and always played well above his, uh, um, his, his abilities when it was against Toronto. So hopefully he can harness that same, uh, same ability. And so it's a solid pitching staff. Um, bullpen might be a little bit of a question mark, but defense looks solid. They can hit the ball. They should be challenging the Yankees for the top spot. And so I, I hope to get to a few games this year. Um, if, if things stay quiet at work, that's always the key, but um, should be able to get up to, uh, to a few games and yeah. hopefully see some playoff games this year. Absolutely. There's the playoff games are amazing. The, and uh, I'm going to Atlanta Braves are my number one team, but I do, I really do support the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and Kevin Kiermaier. He is, uh, he's obviously a gold glove center fielder. He is on he, I don't think he may not be the best center fielder, but I don't think anyone's better than him. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But however, but with his limited bat, I think in the lineup like the Toronto Blue Jays this year, it's not going to matter. They just want him to flash that leather, and if he hits two twenty two forty, they're like, all right, fine, we'll live with that because we got the big boys in the top yep. half of the top half of the lineup. They have a lot of fly ball pitchers, so um, I, I I truly hope that it will um, that it'll help if they, you can catch those fly balls like looking to the game I, I pretend that the uh, last playoffs didn't happen being up seven to one against the uh, the Mariners but there were two plays that um, they cost in the game there was the one in the I think it was the eighth inning uh, there was a collision between Springer and Bichette that everyone right. remembers but if that's Kiermaier that ball's probably caught yeah. but there was another ball earlier um, that Rymel Tapia who was fun to watch but um, defense wasn't his strength. Um, he let one fall in that probably most other most other outfielders would get. Varsho um, or Springer, if you have him out there in left field, would have got that. That would have been the end of that inning where they let in two, three runs at that point. And so you can see just even in that one game, and of course over a season, it, it leads to runs and hopefully a few wins here and there, but it's an exciting time. If Kevin Kiermaier can play 
gold glove defense in Tropicana Field, which is the worst baseball stadium. <laughs> He's going to be okay in the uh, uh, Rogers uh, Center. Rogers, Rogers Center. Rogers yeah. Center. Yeah, he'll be always, just fine. Though to a lot of Blue Jays fans here, it's always Sky Dome. So. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I wanted to say, but I know, I know, I know it's not Sky Dome. Yeah, I remember. Well, you're not, was... If you're not getting paid by Rogers, you don't have to refer to it as Rogers Center. It's okay. So when you're going to, so as a fan, you're going to the, you're going to the Rogers Center. You're going to any baseball game. Where, where do you prefer to be sitting to watch the game? I know I have my preference, but what's your preference when you when you go to the game if you're able to? If if I'm able to, Rogers Center is not. Rogers Center was originally designed as a multi-purpose facility, and so it, there was a CFL football team playing. Very 1970s, 1980s, that 70s, 60s, and 70s design. What was the last stadium built before Camden Yards in Baltimore? Like everything changed. I'm like, oh, this is the proper way that a stadium was that, built. That's like, like coming out of a bad relationship and said, see, you're the reason I just changed. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but it is and like you look at it. It's like, oh, well, but uh, we spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this one. So you get to keep it. Um, I, I, I like to get as, um, as close as possible. I, if I can be behind the, the Jays uh, dugout, I can um halfway up that's usually my my preferred place um place to be i have a friend who has seasons tickets who's one level up behind home plate which is also a um a good spot um and since he has seasons tickets it's uh i'll uh, i never complain about uh, about that spot but <laughs> it's um yeah there are there are some very bad places to watch a baseball game in uh rogers center there's some i went to fenway park and i had bad seats um i wasn't behind a pillar but like you'd call them bad seats i'm like these are still great seats compared to compared to roger setter getting the equivalent um giving the getting the equivalent seats in in toronto so again like i think all of the seats in roger center have been pulled out and they're going to be adjusted and refaced and so you'll actually be facing the um the action rather than being pointed to, I guess, the 50-yard line or wherever, um, whatever it was originally meant to be. So I won't have as much neck pain watching the, uh, watching the game going forward. But it's uh, hoping it to get to the experience because I've had the fortune to see games in, uh, in Detroit and Boston, Seattle, and it's a much different atmosphere. It's a much different experience. Um, and the fans are great. And if the Jays are winning, it's one of the loudest places in baseball. But let's bring some of that experience and energy. Because I remember I was it was Jason Mets years ago, and I was sitting behind a couple of Mets fans who were uh, who were funny, and they were um, the Mets were winning, unfortunately. But this this is the bad time during the early two thousands when they were terrible. And Met fan looked around and said, "You know, there's a lot of non baseball stuff that happens uh, around here." And I, I laughed and said, "Yes." And but hoping that we can get back to some of that energy that people are. Not only excited to see the team, but excited to go to the ballpark um, and have that as part of the experience as well. I completely agree with you. I, that's my favorite part of in the lower level, but just halfway up, but along the the baselines, either yeah. in between home plate or third base or home plate at first base. I, I don't like sitting up on up above home plate. At the same time, I, I just have a hard time like following the pitch. So I like to have like an angle towards it, yeah. but that's just my preference. And as fans... What if the good people of St. Catharines would allow? I'm going to anoint you as the newly crowned MLB commissioner. What do you do with your powers to make the game better, more exciting, or even a better spectacle? Give me one or two ideas as the new commissioner of baseball. 
Well, I think well, if we're if we're talking about justice, and we we talked about it earlier, I think one of the um, one of the things that I think there is injustice in, and I think the kids are getting railroaded by it, is the international signing system. Even though the Jays have benefited immensely, and their their best player has been um, and two well, and Kirk Kirk and uh, Guerrero signed through that system, one for millions of dollars, one for substantially less but to have a more equitable and, and fair system i know the players union is uh is pushing back uh against that that would be the biggest one i'm i would like to see i'd like to see robot umpires it's it's the pitches are too fast i'm tired of the the angel hernandez's of the world who like I couldn't get behind the plate and doing do it but like if a pitch is coming in at 98 with movement how are you able to see that? Like it's it's incredible for me the player's ability to be able to sense it, see it, swing it, and put a bat on the ball. But for someone who's getting up in in age and uh, uh, guilty as charged, but to be able to not have that ability, but um, and not having played, but still be there and trying to judge this invisible plane, I, I get some purists say like you know it's it's this concept and and we should keep it. And it's um, it goes both ways, but like we're now getting to the point um, there's a couple of um, umpire uh, analytical Twitter accounts that I follow and you see the scorecard at the end of the game. And like you see pitches that are six inches outside the strike zone in a, in a major late inning moment. I'm like, maybe this is an opportunity. The technology is there and we trust the technology let's use it and let's have a game. Cause I, I think there are some biases in terms of home field advantage and the ump behind the plate and it's human nature. It's um, just what it is. And the thing that drives me absolutely nuts. And it usually is because of balls and strike calls is the ump show that happens afterwards where player will roll their eyes or say it's a all word. Ego. And, all and power trip. It is, but it, it's, it seems to be the only one of the major sports where the official becomes the center of the they show. They reject themselves and, in the game. Like we're yeah. not, we didn't come to see here to see you, umpire number sixty-eight. Yeah, we would never see, wouldn't see it in the um, NFL. We wouldn't see it in hockey. We wouldn't see it in the NBA. Um, we, everyone likes Ed Hockley from the uh, the NFL, but it's because he's uh, he's ripped. But just he does a good job. He uh, looks jacked, and people like him. That's that's the reason. Like I know the names of the umpires who are terrible. And I think that's everyone who follows baseball. The only ump names we know are the bad ones. And it's because they inject themselves into it. And so there, there needs to be a pullback and there needs to be um, major league baseball dealing with it. But I think taking the strike uh, ball and strike call away from them um, may lead um, to a lessening of that, hopefully. I agree with you. And after these two good ideas, the revamping the international signing for these 16-year-old kids and obviously robo-empires, robo-empires are calling them, I think you're going to have a good platform for re-election for the next time you go up for (laughs) Major League Baseball Commissioner. I'll throw my hat in the ring. Yes. In the meantime, back here in the real world, you're still the member of Parliament for St. Catharines. And I love asking, I love traveling and I always love asking my, my guest on good local places like what's your what's a good go-to place for you to grab a cup of coffee maybe a drink maybe a diner in the st Catharines area one of my favorite spots well every many of your listeners that oh i've been to niagara falls i know that spot but i remember working in the um in hotels and occasionally get someone who's like 
tell me where the locals go because get me out of this tourist area. But um, one of my favorite spots is in uh, downtown St. Catharines. Um, and St. Catharines is the city right next door to, um, to Niagara Falls. It's called Merchant Ale House incredible pub food and they brew their own uh brew their own beer on site try to use local ingredients and so it's just a great place to have a burger um burger and a pint or wings or whatever the case is and you can tell it's great because you can you have old people like me but then you also have students from the university there as well and you have a great segment of the population that's there because they know it's good uh, the beer is good. The food's good. And and they're always there. And so um, that's a top spot for me. If I'm uh, trying to grab lunch and meeting a friend in, in St. Catharines, that's where I'm going. I think I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to write this down and put it on my list. Because when you look at this Toronto Blue Jays schedule, the Atlanta Braves are playing in Toronto this year because, you know, oh, they excellent. revamped the schedule. Now that this is the first year, you know, that every yep. team is not going to play every single everyone, which yep. is like. Brilliant ideas, like 40 years late, but it's <laughs> welcome to the 20th century uh, Major League Baseball, even though, they should again, they should have done this decades ago. <laughs> I'm going to do that because I have circled. It's like, it'd be really nice to go to Toronto. I haven't been in Toronto in many, in the Toronto area in many, many years. So if I do, I rent a car and hop down to uh, to check out some good local places. In well, K- here's St. the thing. It's, it's an easy flight into Buffalo, and then it's about an uh, hour and a half drive into uh, into Toronto, and I'm always happy to show you the highlights of, uh, of St. Catharines. That'd be amazing. Well, Chris Biddle, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my Again, I want to remind everyone, he is the Canadian Member of Parliament for St. Catharines in Ontario. I've enjoyed talking about service, talking about baseball, and of course, most importantly, Food. If you want to take us away to let everyone know where they can find you, sir. Absolutely. Uh, if you're willing to deal with my baseball thoughts intermixed with Canadian political thoughts, I'm on Twitter at Chris underscore Biddle. I'm at Instagram at Biddle under Biddle C and always on Facebook. I think it's slash uh, slash Chris Biddle MP, but uh, I'm easy to find. I want to thank Chris Biddle, Canadian member of parliament for St. Catharines for joining us today. And I'm also going to thank some new listeners who joined us over the past week or so from Port Republic in Maryland and New Jersey. I don't know, maybe both. Sewanee, Georgia, and our international listeners, someplace called Lorin, Yorin, Nigeria. And even the Hipster Baseball Podcast, Bullpen, could not figure out how to pronounce this, but it's Bukgu, Bukgu, South Korea, B-U-K-G-U, Bukgu, South Korea. And always think all of our regular listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye. Bye.